I'm your host, Patrick Weed, and welcome to Season 2, where we're going to talk about Jesus in real life, what Jesus means to you and me, and what he means to others in their life. Welcome to Ministry IRL. Okay, Season 2. I have to be honest, I didn't think I'd be doing this again. It's been a long year of uh, quarantining and helping kids with school via Zoom and Google Meets and all the technology. So there's been a lot of family stuff going on. But recently, I was thinking about starting this back up again. And I'll be honest with you guys, I was talking to God about it and just kind of was like, should I even do it? I don't know if there's much I want to talk about. And God was like, yeah, you should do it. I was like, okay, well, what would we even talk about at this point? And he goes, well, why don't you talk about Jesus in real life? So that's kind of where we've been going um, in my thoughts and just kind of the ideas of what I want to talk about. And so I'm really excited. Um, he's been on the show before. My good friend, longstanding friend. I've known you for quite a while now. Actually. Yeah, we have quite a while. Quite a while. How many, how many years has it been? Oh, man, Patrick, I was actually thinking about this the other day. It has to, we, it has to be at least... 15 years? 15 years. So, ladies and gentlemen, Matthew Ramirez, my good friend up in Seattle, Washington, well, Federway, Tacoma area. Wait, you're not even in the Federway, Tacoma area anymore, are you? You're like... No, I, I suppose I am. Is Milton, it, Milton area. Yeah. We were, we were driving up. So, I got to see Matt not too long ago. And when we were driving up to see you, it was so much fun. My daughters were like, are we in Seattle yet? And I'm like, well, we're kind of, we're in the suburbs. And they're like, what's a suburb? Like, <laughs> right. I'm in the Seattle vicinity, right? <laughs> Which includes being at least 45 minutes to an hour away from downtown. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, my friend, tell me, I got to see recently you posted online. You've been up to quite a few things. Um, but yeah. you've got a new title, my friend. Tell us. I about do. That. Yeah, I know. Thanks, Patrick. So um, so I work for the state of Washington in the juvenile rehabilitation administration, which essentially is, um, you know, we don't, we don't like to use the word, you know, prison system for juveniles, but, but for lack of a better, it's kind of the, the, uh, the juvenile end of the Department of Corrections uh, for my state. And I am what's called uh, in a, uh, an associate superintendent at one of the facilities. So I kind of help with um, over, overarching, like, you know, managements and making sure that our units are following our treatment model and that the youth that we serve are getting the best care possible. Dude. And you've told me a little bit about this. Cause like, yeah, I mean, I think of like, I don't want to say anything I shouldn't about this, but I think of like, you know, prison cells and, and bars and everything, but you've talked about like how it's actually a pretty beautiful campus. So. It's gorgeous. Yeah. You know, Patrick, one of the things that we've, that we've tried to do was, um, you know, we we understand looking at models throughout the, the country that the, the old school system of locking kids up and throwing away the key, it doesn't work. It, it One, it's not very compassionate. Uh, it's not very rehabilitative. And the, um, the, the recidivism rate actually increases when you use that type of corrective model. And so the model that we use is very human centered. Um, it's very uh, treatment focused. Um, you know, we, we understand, of course, that we do work with youth that have the, the potential at times to become aggressive and, and they have a lot of, of, of mental health needs and, and comorbidities and stuff like that. And so, um, the, the, yes, there is a security end of what we do, of course, uh, but at the same time, overarching, it's treatment. 
and it's working with these young people and understanding that um, uh, that their their charge doesn't have to um, it, it doesn't have to be a, a a prophetic speaking over their life, right? There there's redemption and restoration and, and rehabilitation. So yeah, we we do. That's the kind of work that we do. That's awesome, dude. I love it. And, that, and honestly, it's so interesting because like we said, having known you this long, it so fits you. Like it, it's so it's so cool to see where we land as we grow up. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Oh, right. Oh, you're right. No, Patrick, it's funny you mentioned I never in, in my in my in my wildest dreams, I never have thought, I never would have thought that I'd be working in a in a maximum security setting like that. You right. know, I my my education is all in the Bible, right? My 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 BAs in pastoral ministries and right. and uh, from a young age I just assumed that I would be a youth pastor and a senior pastor until the day I died. But uh, as you know, um, just the, the way that life is and the way that God weaves his will into into what we do, um, mm-hmm. you know, anywhere he puts us, we're kingdom agents. Anywhere he puts us Absolutely. may it be in a church, maybe in, in the public setting or the private sector, or wherever God puts us, we're there for kingdom power and mm-hmm. we're there to grow the kingdom of God. And so, yeah, I know it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's been a ride. <laughs> Honestly, as you're talking, I'm like, that's a whole nother topic that we'll have to like do another, yeah. another recording on. Cause like where Jesus leads you, I think is such an interesting one. And like, Oh yeah. I mean, oh my goodness, I could go down that road. But but that's for that's for another day. Today, today we're gonna talk about Jesus motivated by compassion. And I love how yeah. you already put that in there. So I actually stumbled upon something as I was kind of just poking around the internet, looking for different things, thinking about who Jesus was. And I stumbled upon this. I wanted to read it. I think it's a great place for us to start. And I love world vision, I love what they do. So I thought that was cool that this comes from them. But it says Jesus is the compassion champion. He lets wow. compassion, right? And I like that. He lets compassion mess up his plans, frustrate his followers, and throw his work-life balance out of whack. <laughs> like everything, so opposite, everything opposite of what we always hear these days. Yeah. And it says, we see clearly right after John the baptism's death, Jesus withdraws to a remote area to be alone. So often surrounded by crowds, Jesus wanted to be alone after the death of someone important to him. But the crowds of people heard about where he was going, and rather than giving him some space, they followed him and pressed in around him, eager to have their own needs filled. When, we're our, when we are already tired or sad, the last thing we want, and I get this, I have three kids, <laughs> is to be confronted by other people's demands. Mommy, give me this. Daddy, I want a snack. <laughs> and we often react harshly. But Jesus looked out at the crowds and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Matthew 14, 14. He set his own needs aside to minister to others, not because he had to, but because his compassion made him want to. And wow. I just, dude, I loved how they phrased that. And I like how it's, I don't know, m- more modern, I guess I want to say words. Um, yeah, yeah. If anything, it's it's uh, it's casual words, which makes me feel more like I connect to it a lot more. But okay, so I have a story and my wife challenged me on this because she was like, Patrick, don't make Matt, you know, fit into the box that you always remember him to be. But I have a story that this like as soon as I thought of this, I was like, this is this is Matt, because you would always tell these stories, whether it be at McDonald's meeting people and talking to them and telling about Jesus or my favorite. And I know I do it all the time, but the car accident that you got into and then you end up praying for the lady. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. and, you know, not to necessarily boast you up too much, but more so like, I definitely feel like through our friendship, I've seen you 
allow Jesus to interrupt your normal flow, to allow it to be uncomfortable. And yeah, so yeah, dude, like if you don't mind sharing some of those things or even just share about like how Jesus motivates you with compassion. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that, you know, Patrick, I, when I think about the compassion of God, um, it, it really highlights my depravity as, as a human being, mm. right? Because the, the reality is, is, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a selfish person. <laughs> I, I'm a selfish person. I, I like, I like my life to look a certain way. I, I want to wake up at a certain time. I have the schedule that I want to keep. I go to work. I check my emails. I mean, and I get off. I want to get off at a, at a decent hour. And, 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 and I want my life to fit in this box. But the one thing that we learn about Jesus is Jesus does not operate within a box. He just doesn't do it. You, you <laughs> it's so frustrating. Within, it, it is frustrating. It is, it's so frustrating because he's motivated by compassion. Mm-hmm. And compassion doesn't have a schedule. And mm-hmm. compassion doesn't have a, a, of a of, of a time frame. Compassion is propelled by brokenness. Oh, and so I, I think one of the things that we see with Jesus is he goes to where the people are broken. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in, in my life, what I have found is that um, when, when I ask the Holy Spirit and I ask that he would make me to be I want to be a servant. I just want to follow after Christ. I, I don't have any ambitions of, of titles or promotion, but I just want to be a child in the lap of my father kind of a thing. Um, I, I find that those are the moments when Jesus will interrupt my time hmm. and he'll put me in a position where all of a sudden it'll be like, all right, Matt, if you, if you, if you want to operate in compassion, here's a moment to be compassionate, right? If you, if you truly want to, to serve me, here's a moment to serve others. And, uh, and those times are usually not convenient. Those, those times are usually not moments where it's like, you know what, you know, yeah, I have, I have 10 minutes, God, I could give you, I can, I can be compassionate for 10 minutes and then go back to my daily life. Like, you know, the Lord calls us to serve him period, no matter what it is that we do. And so, you know, I, I look at the different moments that I've had either like the one that you had mentioned getting in the car accident and praying for the lady, or just, just interacting with people randomly. Um, I find that those moments are usually propelled by brokenness. And it has nothing to do with anything I've done right. It has nothing to do with anything that I've, I've, I've uh, ascribed to or tried to become. But it has everything to do with how God is just so good. Mm. And in in spite of of my depravity and in in, the, in in spite of of who I am as a fallen human being, that we serve a good God that is compassionate and loving. So yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. I think it's so interesting because like that's where my mind goes first to like. I think of, you know, if I'm going somewhere, if I'm driving somewhere, you know, and I see somebody, you know, be it somebody, a homeless person on the street or something like that. And the thought crosses my mind or the, or the times where like, it's, it's not necessarily scheduled, but like in our brains, we're like, I have time for this. So we allow a little bit of that. I'm going to minister to people, whether it be, I'm going to, you know, go volunteer or do something, you know, stop and talk to somebody, even just the barista, you know, at Starbucks or whatever. Mm -hmm. But even more so, as you were talking, I'm like, it was so good because I started thinking about just the normal day to day. And I think about I think about my kids and I think about the fact that I mean, I love I love my kids and and you and I I both have kids. I know we both love our families dearly. But at the same time, like I feel like it's it's the times when, like I said, that quote from World Vision, when I'm tired and I don't feel like it. 
Yeah. Like, like that's the, that's the part looking at what Jesus did where I'm like, yeah, that's, that's definitely my depravity. And I don't think I even in those moments turn and do it, but it's interesting because I wonder, so this is the whole idea, right? What would it be like if Jesus was here with us now? And I think the thing that sometimes, and I don't know how to, I don't know. I don't know how to balance it because we're so trained to get on a schedule to, to get things done. Right. And making room to be like, all right, God, all right, Jesus, what do you want to do right now? What do you want me to do right now with my wife and kids? You know, what do we want me to do right now with my coworker who I see every single day? Like, I wonder at times what that would be like if we, if we listen to Jesus in those moments. Yeah, no, I, 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 you know, I think you're right, Patrick. I think, I, I think I've heard somebody say once when it, when it comes to kind of ministering in the Holy Spirit and, and being, being uh being open to be used kind of the thing they said that it, it's not so much the fact that um we have to carve out time for christ we have to understand that it's all his anyways oh that's good that, that's good. that we're that it, it's it's like the tithe right like you know we give 10 percent, we keep 90 well no it's a hundred percent his but <laughs> no but there, there's a there's a way we go about it and it, it's the same with our time man i mean i used to think when i was in the ministry full-time ministry that I was, uh, that, that this was the greatest thing ever, right? I was a full-time pastor. I, I had, I had dedicated time to pray. I had dedicated time to read my word. And, and, and this happened every single day because it was part of what I did, but it wasn't until I went to work for, in my case, for the state where all of a sudden I had to realize that, wait a second, I, I don't, in, in my 40 hour work week, I, I don't have, you know, 20 hours in there to pray and prepare. That's not what my work does anymore. Yep. And, uh, and so I had to realize that it's like, wait a second, it, it's all God's time. It, it's, it's all his anyways. And so Lord, how do you want me to, to be your, um, your spokesperson right now? What, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? How do you want me to act? And it's, it's kind of being open to the prompting of the Holy spirit where you'll, you'll just begin to realize in time that it's all his anyways. And, yeah. and uh, when we begin to think that way and operate and live our lives that way, I, I find that those are the, those are the opportunities where the Lord interrupts our moments. Yeah. And he goes, okay, now, now's the time. Now, now is a moment. Share this with that person or this person's broken. Tell them about my love or just be with somebody. Hmm. Yeah. No, I like what you said there at the end too, because that's exactly what I was thinking. I was going to ask you what, how would you define compassion? Yeah. Um, you know, I think I would define compassion is um, constantly coming from the spot of understanding that we're all in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Right? That it, it's not it's not we're in a different boat than somebody else's. The reality is we're we're all given the same amount of time. We, we all have 24 hours a day. It's what you do with those 24 hours that makes the difference. Right. And, and so it, it's the reality is, is that I'm no better. Case in point, let me tell you a quick story um, in dealing with compassion is I remember about four years ago, I was working at one of our state's maximum security juvenile institutions, and um, there was a a young man that was uh, there for uh, a pretty serious crime. And um, long story short, he he ended up attacking me Mm. and uh, and it was a pretty serious assault and um, and, and I had, I had been injured pretty bad and, and I was, I was bleeding and, um, and, and I'll be real with you. I, in that moment, compassion wasn't the number one thing on my heart, right? I, I didn't, I didn't want to be like, you know what, buddy, Hey, you just stabbed me, but let me give you a hug. Let me, let me show you the love of Christ. Like I, I was angry. 
And I was mad and I was upset. And he was, he got, obviously we had it, we had to do, you know, physical intervention and he was put back in his room and uh, he was locked in his room. And, and I was um, about to go to the hospital to get some of my, my injuries taken a look at. And uh, I was walking out the door and Jesus spoke to me and he said, Matt, I love him. Hmm. And that's not what I wanted to hear, Patrick. I don't want to hear that. I wanted to hear, Matt, you know, I got your back. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to punish him. That's what I wanted to hear. But that's not what Jesus said. He nope. said, Matt, I love him. And I need you right now to tell him that he's loved. Mm. And I, I, I held off on that. And I was like, God, I, I don't know if I can do that. And he said, Matt, you tell him that he's loved because he's never heard that before. Wow. So I turned around. I go back to his room and I look through his, the, the window into his room and he is on his face and he's bawling his eyes out, bawling his eyes out. Wow. And, and I mean, Patrick weeping, wow. this 21 year old, 20 year old, something like that is just weeping. And so I open his door, which, you know, obviously the, the security guards were like, what in the world are you doing? But I opened his door and I looked at him and I said, Hey bud. And I said his name. And I said, you need to know that you're loved. And I don't hold this against you. Yeah. And this does not define your life. Yeah. And I shut his door. It was one of those moments, Patrick, where the compassion of God completely overwhelmed me. Because the reality is, is yes, it was that young man in that room, but you could have switched that young man out for me. Right. And in moments in my life where I had done horrible things and in moments in my life where I had made horrible choices. And in those moments, Jesus wasn't judging me. And he wasn't looking at me with, with eyes that were angry, but he was saying, Matt, you're loved, right? Matt, there's compassion. Yeah. And, and I think to go back to your question, where does it come from, Patrick? It, it comes from the spot of realizing that we are all in the same boat, that we all live in the same broken world, that we, we, all, we, we all live in, in a spot where we, where we want to do the best and we, we want to, to do these things with our lives, but you know, choices that we make, whatever it may be. But the reality is, is that we have a God that is championing compassion, that is championing love. And we, as children of God, we have an opportunity to show this world what the compassion of Christ looks like. And it, it's never convenient and it's always messy. And it's always sloppy, but I think that's the reality of God is it's God isn't always going to be convenient. And to, and to say that we want to follow after God and to say that we want to be used by the Holy Spirit, that's great to say on a Sunday morning in a revival service, yep. or that's awesome to say in, in your prayer closet when you're just, you know, praying in the spirit and crying after God, but it's hard in the moment when God says, fine, if you want to, if you want to be compassion filled, then show compassion. Right. right. If you want to be spirit filled, then understand that you don't need to be spirit filled on a mountaintop, but you need to be spirit filled in a valley. Yeah. And you need, you need to be spirit filled with people that are in the trenches and that are getting stomped on and that are getting beat up by the world and beat up by the enemy. That's where the compassion of Christ um, is displayed. So, wow. yeah, I love it. I love everything you shared. I love that story, too. It's so good. I feel like so often, like any time that I've struggled whether it be something big or even just something small, like more often than not, I just want to know that I'm not alone. Like right, I just yeah. want somebody to be there with me, somebody to not to necessarily like make it better or especially not to tell me what I should do to make it better, but more so to just be there and be with me. I feel like right. so often one of the biggest things I've learned when it comes to compassion is like just to cry with people. 
Like sometimes people just want to know that, yeah, you feel their pain and it hurts you just as much as it hurts them. Yeah. And just to be there. Um, probably my favorite. And hopefully she, I don't know, she doesn't always listen to my podcast. So maybe my wife won't mind this. <laughs> nice. But even just the other day, we were we were having a bit of a disagreement the, the evening before. And then the next day we were kind of starting to talk about it. And we were both kind of like, we don't know where to go from here. And I looked at it and I was like, let's just start over. And, and she was like, you sure? And I'm like, yeah, like, I think that that's just what we need to do. And that to me, as you were sharing, was also just another thought of like what compassion looks like, where it's just like, we're not going to hold it against each other. We're not going to go and analyze everything and try to, you know, fix everything. We're just going to, we're going to start fresh. We get a clean slate with each other. So yeah, yeah man. So good, man. So good. Um, okay. So there's one question that I want to make sure I get into each interview or podcast or whatever we're going to call it as I go forward. But I wanted to ask you if there was one thing that you wanted people to know about Jesus, what would it be? Wow. What a good question, Patrick. One thing that I want people to know about Jesus. Um, there's, there's a lot. I think that well, would like yeah, of course. <laughs> there's a lot. I think you can come I mean, back and share more later. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate it. I'd love to do that. No, um, what, what I would like people to know about Jesus. Um, Jesus' love makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> That's None. None. Jesus' love makes no sense. It makes no sense. You know, one of, one of my, my life verses is Proverbs 3, 5, right? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, hmm. right? There, there's something about that. As human beings, we want to quantify everything, right? We want, we want one plus one always to equal two. Like that, that is, that is what we're trained in. That's who we are as people. And we want to do that same thing with God. We, we want the same thing with Jesus, that Jesus is, he'll, he'll do this the same way every single time. It'll always look the same period done deal. But the reality is, is that Jesus isn't dead, right? Jesus is alive. He, he's, he's currently alive right now. He's alive and he's doing stuff all the time. And I think one of the things that, 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 trips me up all the time is to realize that his love makes no sense and because it makes no sense it's hard to wrap our our mind around the goodness of god and, and we can't it's hard to wrap our mind around the compassion of god mm-hmm. i love how how peter i think peter is a prime example of 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 peter in the boat with jesus and and they just you know cast the nets and they pulled up the fish and all this fish and, and, and Peter doesn't look at Jesus and say, my God, my God, I love you. He doesn't, he doesn't kiss his feet. He, what does he do? He, he falls. He says, depart from me. Right. Like, like I'm sinful. We're not worthy. <laughs> I'm not worthy. Yep. Right. And but I think Peter realized in that moment that the, his, that Peter's depravity, but the goodness of God was crazy. And yep. here he was with the Messiah that his people had been waiting for since the fall of man was standing right before him. And Peter realized that this moment was greater than just, let me kiss your feet. This moment was greater than just, hey, you're God and I'm not. Wow, this is awesome. But Peter realized in that moment the brokenness that he was as a human being Mm. and the compassion of an almighty God to be standing in the same boat that he was in. Mm. You know, and so I don't know. I mean, I, I think that's what I would want people to realize is that you, you can't wrap the, the love of God in, in a, 
in, 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 a, in a perfect box. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And I think that that is how Jesus designed it. Hmm. Hmm. That's good. I'm going to do something that I don't know if I've ever done on the podcast, because after you just shared all that, I just really felt like God wanted me to do it. And this is how we're going to close out today. Yeah. I'm just going to just pray for us. Because yeah. I think that there's people out there and, you know, I don't care how many people listen to this podcast, but there's, there's just one person out there that needs to hear what we're talking about today. I feel like that's important. So yeah. I just feel like God wants me to pray for that one person and then we'll call it good. Sound good? Amen. Yeah. Dude, God, I, this, I don't know. It feels a little weird, but I'm trying to do what you say. So God, I just thank you. Thanks for Matt that he's able to be here today, but God, I want to pray for whoever is listening that needs to hear that your love doesn't make any sense, that they don't have to do anything to receive it from you, God, and that you love them no matter what's happening yes. in their lives. I feel like there's so many people like that in our lives that, that we can see that, that we want them to be able to hear that, God. So I just pray that that message would get out about how much you love them no matter what. Yeah. And God, I just thank you so much for the opportunity, the freedom that we have to share this message in our lives in the places that we live. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate you being here, man. You're very welcome. Thank you, Patrick, for having me. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed the show. Hopefully, it challenged you to think about Jesus or ministry in a new way. Make sure to check back with us every Friday for another episode of Ministry IRL Season 2, where we talk about ministry and Jesus in real life.